Welcome to Getting Intimate with CX, brought to you by Brandhook and distributed through the CMO magazine. The data validates probably what we already know and what our customers then tell us. So it's a validation, but to make sure, yes, it's not us just thinking we know because we have so much data and we can use it. And then let's give our customers the opportunity to have a voice and validate that we're working on the right things for them. Hi, I'm Pip Stocks, and I'm your host for Getting Intimate with CX, an 11-part series about what makes a great customer experience and how brands in Australia are getting intimate to do that. So today we've got Donna Hutchinson, who's the GM of uh, Customer Experience at NAB, and Sarah Graham, who's the Head of Initiatives in the Customer Experience team. Welcome, ladies. Thanks great. for having us. It's great to be here. <laughs> you really only had to walk over the walkway. It was quite simple, wasn't it? We can wave to each other from the kitchen. <laughs> nice and close. Nice and close. Um, so, ladies, firstly, tell me why you two are really positioned as, as great team members for the customer experience team at NAB. I think, Donna, you may have told me a, a story about when you first became a customer. I've been a customer of NAB since I was seven years old and I have quite a bit of an interesting story for how I became a customer at NAB. So I was seven years old and entered a drawing competition around drawing a bank manager in a branch and I won the competition. And the reason I won the competition was because I put a big black cat in my branch and the branch manager loved the the picture so much that I was then awarded... Um, the best drawing, and I opened up my NAB bank account because I won something like $15, I think, oh, wow. at the time. God, that would have been amazing. Yeah. What was your drawing like of the bank manager? <laughs> he was very happy. He had a smiling face, and he was shaking the hand of a customer, and there was a big, fat, black cat why in there. Why was the black cat, and why did he like that? I think it was because that's what made it different from all the other um, drawings. Well, that's a good story. <laughs> and Sarah, you're obviously great at CX because the kind of person you are, probably. Thank you, Pip. Um... I suppose I do feel as though I'm quite intuitive and I like listening to people and hearing their stories. So we use them a lot when we're focusing on what our customers need and what we should improve for them. Yeah, brilliant. Well, that's we love talking about those kind of stories too. All right. So you know the kind of process for these podcasts is I'm asking everyone the same seven questions. So I'm going to hit you two with the same seven questions as well. Um, so feel free to talk over each other and shout and punch to get out of the way because you're both together. So that's exciting. <laughs> okay, so um, let's start with when was the last time you both had a great customer experience and which brand was it with, Sarah? Okay, well, I'll start with that one. And I, I did struggle with this question because I think a great customer experience is pretty hard to define. Um, when I think about a great customer experience at the moment, I think just about really what's simple. Mm. And I find that a lot of the online retailers are incredibly simple to deal with. Um, ASOS stands out for me, so say if I'd been looking at something... It's on sale, they send me an email. On the train on the way in, I can click and it can be in the office the next day. Um, and amazing. I think that's really amazing. It nearly stops me going into traditional retail stores at the moment. Um, you know, they know what I like. They tell me when it's shifted in price. Um, I know where it is when it's dispatched, when it's arrived. Uh, so they keep me, you know, very much um, up to date along the journey of me receiving that. And I know it's not amazing. It's not a great customer experience, but it's just so easy and that's what I like. Um, when I think about Nabjo, I think in a way we really are an online retailer as well. Like I know mm. we're selling very different services and we have a traditional retail network. So I think there are lots of things that we can learn from that. Obviously our products are more complex than buying a hat or a dress 
online. Um, but I think we can definitely take a lot of that from that seamless experience. Mm, that's true. Everyone uh, who's done the podcast so far has talked a lot about simplicity and effortlessness as being key to a great customer experience. Uh, just as a sidebar, I thought you were shopping your wardrobe, Sarah, and not shopping ASOS. I just lost a little bit of interest in that as I'm going on a holiday on Friday, so I just needed a few summer yeah. things. Well, ASOS do that really cool thing where they have the little video too. When yes. it's which for most online retailers you can go on and you can and you can see the clothing, but that little video then is sort of a yay or nay for me whether or not I'm going to purchase something. And it's just that little value add that is extra from what some of the other online retailers use. And that's so true because a lot of people have also talked about surprise and delight as yep. something that does make a great customer experience and I think in that that is a small example of just taking it a little bit a step extra an extra step because you can see the way the item falls and it's how it swishes and you know the length of it and you know the things that actually are really important to the old ladies yeah it takes away some of that risk (laughs) element when you're purchasing yeah totally Mm. but in general what do you think makes a great customer experience we have touched on simplicity effortlessness what else yeah, I think that at the most basic level it is that it's delivering on your promises. So we said we're going to do something, um, that's what we need to do and in a faultless manager, the manner that brings in that seamlessness, I suppose. So um, when you lose delivering on your promises, there's a lot of work to bring customers back. Yeah. So I think that's really key. Um, I think also great customer experience and I find just thinking about other brands too the likes of the Spotify and the Netflix of the world um, they're giving me something for nothing so I'm already paying for the subscription service but they're telling me what other shows I might like to watch or mm. music I'd like to listen to so they're being helpful in a way I, lo- I love their daily mix you know like Spotify does a daily mix for you that's yeah. based on the kind of music you've listened to that's amazing I think that's really great too and they're not asking anything else for you. you've already paid for the service but they're using that data that they have on you and probably connecting back in with the mobile app to make things that are tailored to you so I mm. think that's really great it's harder for us in what we're selling because it can see as a real sales pitch Mm. Um, so we need to be mindful but I think we can definitely leverage some of that thinking and how we use the data we have yeah and we do get a lot of we do get a lot of customer feedback and so we know that getting the basics right is so important for us but it's also important for our customers and so our whole customer pain point program was built around listening to our customers and then understanding where those points of frustration were mm. so that we could jump onto them really quickly and then make changes with, which um, historically may have taken us um, sort of 12 months to, to fix. We've been able to fix a lot of those in, in sort of 60 to 90 days, which, which is groundbreaking for us, mm. not so much for other industries, but it shows how we're trying to keep pace and continuously improve the way that we listen to customers and, and, and act on their feedback. Oh, it was better than the old days. I mean, in the old days, you you know, not banks, but necessarily, but all brands would just say, well, you know, if you don't like it, you can go somewhere else. And I think now the way the market is with so much choice, um, you know, and so much availability to customers that you can't, you don't can't afford to say go somewhere else. It's like, I'm going to make this much better for you because I'm desperate for you to stay with me. Mm. Yeah. A great example of what we did recently is when we launched our new mobile app is that we spent time with almost 4,000 customers working with them to understand what their needs were so that by the time that we launched the app they were ready to use it and we knew that our customer it was what our customers wanted and we're starting with customer pain points so that's around the frustration but at the same time we're also investing heavily in um, reimagining what a customer experience looks like from end to end and so that starts off a lot of feedback is around the things that we we might get wrong um, or may not do consistently so we know that consistency um, i have a great experience i refinanced my home loan recently 
um, and it went through um, without any issues. We know from the customer feedback that that's not consistent across all our customer experiences. So how do we then um, reimagine what that customer experience looks like for all our customers so yeah. that we, we ensure that that consistency is there? And that's what we're doing through our, our customer journey. So there's an opportunity to fix the frustration, but mm. also, as we mentioned around the ASOS piece, is thinking of those opportunities to wow and um, offer customers things that they're not even um, thinking about just yet. Mm. So you talked about, um, you just talked about um, consistency of message and not always having consistent uh, experience with lots of customers. So is that a culture issue? I suppose this leads into the next question. How are some brands able to crack a great customer experience and others aren't? And, you know, some of the things we've talked about is, you know, training staff, for example, so that the people who work in the brand uh, have the same, you can have the same experience with that person or you work into one shop or one branch or wherever it is that you might have with someone else. I mean, really, what is it? Is it a CEO? Is it a culture? What make, how come some can do it and some can't? Well, we're a 150 year old organisation, right? But we now need to start to think like a startup. Mm. So we recognise that it starts from the top and we have a CEO who is customer obsessed. And so that is now starting, to, well, it has been over the last few years filtering through our organisation. So it does start to impact our front line all the way up to our senior executives in terms of how we're thinking about the customer yeah. and making decisions where customers um, are at the centre yeah. of that. And um, we talked about customer pain point program. We started that three years ago. We've delivered over 250 mm -hmm. pain points and what something like 5 million customer interactions. Yep, absolutely. And it's been a huge symbol of demonstrating to our own people as well as to our customers that we are listening mm. and we do mean what we say by um, understanding and, and acting on our, our customer feedback. And is there a grassroots campaign that needs to happen in tandem to that because you've got, you know, yeah. kind of the CEO and then the grassroots and how does that work? Well, we are currently running over 900 huddles across the broader enterprise, so people are listening to what our customers are saying, whether it be through OMPS verbatims feedback, other complaints data. We're all having conversations about the customer. The CEO has kicked that off, and we're finding that we're getting some great ideas around things that we should solve for customer from those conversations. That's amazing. So what are they? Huddles? They're called... Customer huddles, and we have 900 a week, so obviously all of our branches and then a lot of our um, head office and, and product teams all across the organisation um, get together and they listen and um, to customer feedback that has come through that week, that month, um, and then really start to work out, well, what is it that we can do as a team? What is it that we can act upon ourselves and, and solve for? And where are those... Um, where are those things which we need help from other people from the organisation. That's amazing. So you start to then draw upon um, other teams and then that's when you start to get that um, sort of cross-functional collaboration and and we we had a recent um, example where all of our senior leaders are um, attending these customer huddles on a weekly basis and it's about extending beyond your own team to go in and, and spend time with other teams to think about how, if I'm in the digital team, what is it that I can do in my day job that's mm. going to help our branches? Mm. And how did you operationalise that? I so mean, the, that's massive. It is. So the, the, we've been, well, we, we, about three years, I think, we've had the, we, we've had the yes. Net Promoter System and the critical part of the Net Promoter System is the customer huddles because it is the, the anchor around 
um, listening to customers in the first instance to allow you to um, allow you to then act on that. So we've been rolling those out for for two to three years now. Mm. So I the infrastructure. To so the inf it's really good, and 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 we get lots of really good feedback, um, particularly from some of our senior execs who who hadn't had an opportunity to to go to many huddles. They're now there once a week in the huddles. Um, they're run by um, sometimes really junior staff, so our team leaders and and those that just have a really active passion for doing the right thing for customers and it's building really good rapport and um, we get lots of really good good feedback around um, being the ability to immerse into the um, to the customer experience because there's a lot of people that work within our bank that don't get to work mm, with a customer mm. on a daily basis and this gives them um, a really good opportunity to understand from our teams and those that are in the the branches and the front front line to understand what our what our customers are telling us and it gives everyone a sense of ownership of customer too yes so what can I react on today right now to fix that situation and then who can I work with as well to fix it because we know it's a bigger issue than just that customer so yeah. I think that ownership piece of you all have a role to play is really fantastic and we're and seeing it change yeah and it is cultural so we have um, the weekly huddles but we also now have um, a weekly customer experience board with our CEO and our senior executive team that are getting together on a weekly basis looking at our net promoter score um, and some of the verbatims that have come in and really starting to jump on issues. So it's not just something we're talking about. You can see real action um, like an coming off the back. It is. Oh, that's brilliant. I love that. And I think you said something about, you know, getting people who are passionate about the customer to drive those meetings. That's really important because you don't, you it's cannot... It's hierarchy. Yeah. And you can't make changes if you don't have empathy for your customer. Mm -hmm. So it sounds like you're building on that. That's great. I love that. And I want to come to one. Um, <laughs> We also believe in customer intimacy as a is a really big driver at Brand Talk, really of competitive edge. And we think with this digital world that you know you can't. It's very hard to get a competitive edge on product because the products are the same. Really, it's hard to get a competitive edge really on technology because there's little technology that people can't copy. And we believe the real competitive edge brands will have now and in the future is really being that intimate with their customers that they can deliver something that they want exactly that they want which is on brand with with the way that you want to deliver it um you talked about the 4,000 people I'm interested to know how you actually got intimate with those 4,000 people when you were testing your mobile app we can probably tie this in with the question around technology or trend and I can answer this yep. if you'd like so um at NAB we're very focused on human-centred design and one way we run that is talking to a small sample of customers and really trying to make sense of what they want from us. Um, that's obviously not really, we can't roll that out to the whole of NAB. So what we're doing now and some great technology is helping us with is text analytics. So we currently have, I mean, the, the mobile app has its own dedicated feedback loop, but broader than that, we've identified within our team about 20 different listening posts from our customers all uh, qualitative data that we have very, very clever people, and I don't know how they do it, that run text analytics over this data and pull out what are the key themes that customers telling us? What are the six words that we can group together to really make sense of? And then help us dive into the volumes of data which are vast that we have in NAB. So that's one way that we're using all this feedback that we have and that was very much um, the way that the mobile app ran there talking to 400, uh, sorry, 4,000 customers um, was listening 
to the verbatims that they're giving us, but then also running those intimate groups and testing things from a more human-centered design. So, so got the four, so got pockets of the four thousand together. So got a got a big picture Took the of you. Whole feedback from the four thousand, and then um, pocketed into and then some pocketed of them. and really drilled in. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's amazing. Customers. So who's who came up with the idea? So that technology is something that your data scientists are working yeah, with. Yeah, and it's not actually technology; it's coding. So it's analytics, yeah, um, right. and it's a fantastic skill that really helps us make sense of the huge data that we have rather than people drilling into um, specific things because they feel that could be the problem. Yeah, right. We can pull out from there what the problem is and then drill in appropriately. And from a customer voice, obviously. All customer voice. And it allows us to understand what the most important um, moments are then for our customers. So then we can prioritise where we need to go in and and, and fix, um, whether that be customer experiences or whether that be to evolve and enhance a customer experience because we're listening to the customer and we can see from all of the vast data, it allows us to theme and get to that um, point much faster than we had been able to do in the past. Yeah, that's cool. That's great. I love that. Mm. So, yeah, we're using that data to work on what other moments that matter. So, where are the key things we should prioritise and work on? Um, yeah, and so that data gives us a starting point, as I said, which is really helpful. And we're sharing that across the broader enterprise, so not just within our team, but everyone who's focused on customer, no matter who they are, what they are, these are the things that we know matter to them at the most at the moment. And when, so when you explore, when you deep dive into those pockets, did you find that the broader um, concept of what you found was true because you were, you know, once you had dived into it and said, okay, we found these six things, we're now going to dive into those six things with a little bit more granularity. Did you find that the customer was going, oh yeah, that's spot on. How did you know? <laughs> like, I suppose it's a nice check-in to know that what you're doing, but yeah, I'm absolutely. Interested. The data validates probably what we already know and what our customers then tell us. So yeah. it's a validation, but to make sure, yes, it's not us just thinking we know because we have so much data and we can use it. And then let's give our customers the opportunity to have a voice and validate that we're working on the right things for them. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So um, you've talked about the um, we've talked about NPS as one way of measure, measuring measuring your customers' intimacy success. I suppose um, you've got huddles, you've got a CEO. Um, is there any other metrics that you use that say, yet yeah, we're totally on the right track? I mean, a lot of people have said, look, it's basically sales, or it's um, for the um, power companies, it's um, churn. I mean, is there other metrics that you look at in this journey? We look at a range of metrics from everything from service, quality of service um, in, our, in our contact centres all the way through to sales leads, all the way through to um, what our customers are telling us through the verbatim and the, and the net promoter score, both at the strategic level, so that is done through independent um, sources, but also too we, we run our own um, operational um, NPS. Uh, measures and we have those on a, on something like fifty different um, examples of um, interact customer interactions oh, episodes. Yeah. So applying for home loan, um, we we we're. Um, asking customers along the way in terms of um, how they're feeling, what what's working for them, what's not working. So you're having those check-in moments all the way. So it gives us kind of that independent view as well as internally, where can we um, focus more, which is the data that we then use for our huddles, as well as our weekly um, customer experience board with um, our senior executives. So we're using that data real time wow. to be able to um, jump on the, the issues and, and start to um, challenge ourselves on whether we are focusing on the right things. 
Net Promoter Score really keeps us honest. So it's one thing to, for us to say that we are a customer obsessed company and that we are all about the customer. And we know when we talk about it internally, that's how we feel as an organisation. But the Net Promoter Score is almost that honesty measure mm. in terms of what our customers um, are thinking about us and whether or not they'd be, they'd be readily um, willing to recommend us to um, others. Mm. And so it's a, real, it's, it's a real honesty measure in terms of um, how you are performing um, against your customer experience. Mm. And, I, uh, and I would say that the very few companies the size of yours would be able to pull off such real-time data and have conversations around them. I mean, that's essentially what you're doing. How big's NAB? 6,000 people or something? 35. 35. Oh, my God. <laughs> 35,000. Yeah. Might edit that out. <laughs> 35,000 people. Yeah. And so pulling off this amount of data and having, what, 600 huddles a week? 900. Off and having 900 huddles a week. That is amazing. <laughs> yeah. Well, our challenge now, as we know, is that we've put in a lot of infrastructure to listen. Mm. Um, our focus really now moves to act. Yes. So how can we um, act not just in um, 12 months, in 90 days, but how do we get faster and faster in the way that we can act on our customer feedback because we know that not just in banking but when our customers are um, interacting with any any service provider they're looking as we mentioned before around the the amazons they're looking at the apples in terms of their service expectations they're looking at us in the same way so they will be expecting that we can respond to their feedback in the same way so mm. it's just continuously changing pace uh, shifting pace and mm. we need to keep up Karen Lawson, who I interviewed as well, is the CEO of Slingshot, which is, you know, essentially an incubation company. Um, and, you know, they work with corporates. So they've got um, incubator programs with Qantas. They just launched Lion. Um, and they're doing lots of interesting things to try and keep big business like yourselves mo um, agile, as you talked about mm. before. Yeah. I mean, and she said you've actually, in the States, it's quite progressed. You've got to actually have this process in your P&L whereas that doesn't seem to be as um, common in Australia for Australian businesses. But you've got your own design thing. You've got NAB Labs, haven't you? We do have NAB Labs, but they're not the only Agile team. The whole of NAB is very much tilting. Our customer journeys are tilting to Agile. We run the Customer Pain Points program, Agile, our digital uh, Agile. So um, not just NAB Labs are thinking that way, but mm. there's a, a lot of shift towards what can we do now that's really fast to keep up across the broader enterprise. Do you feel a bit exhausted, ladies? I'm so tired. I need my holiday. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think it's exciting. Yeah. It's really exciting. It is exciting. Yeah. yeah. No, it's great to feel like you're making a contribution, I think. Mm. Yeah. Two last questions. Um, so what new technology or trend are you most excited about when it comes to customer experience in general? Is there anything, any technology that you've seen that you'd like to use or? I must say, when I went to the Tech Fest, so we went to a great conference on Monday and Tuesday last week, um, it was interesting to see the, the technology platforms that are there around customer experience and really compare them to where NAB's at. Um, we've created some of our own infrastructure and I think that we're doing a really good job with what we have. So, I mean, I spoke previously about text analytics and I think we're using that in a really great way to solve for our customer problems, thinking about how many customers we have and the vast amount of information that we receive from them. Um, so I just felt really quite validated, I suppose, that we're heading in the right direction. Um, the platforms out there are not dissimilar to what we're achieving with what we have mm. um, and that we're doing a pretty good job. So from a technology platform perspective, I think that 
Yeah. We're aligned. I I think there's an opportunity. So we talked a lot about responding to customers' requests, so um, being better and faster at doing that. As we start to, like the whole kind of data analytics and um, being able to predict where we might have an issue with customers mm. and getting ahead of that so mm. that customers don't even have to feel that frustration because we've been able to identify that ahead of time is where where I get really excited because I think then we're not just responding to customer feedback around something we haven't done well already. We're looking forward to where we can jump in and intervene before it becomes a problem. And then using um, the, the data and the analytics tools mm. um, to be able to do that. So I think that's where um, we're starting to, to move towards. Um, but we recognise that um, we talked about 150 years, not a startup needing to act like a startup. Some of these things take us longer to get to, mm. but there's very much an appetite to um, start to think about are these ahead of time rather than just in the moment response. So would someone talk to me about it, it's like being a parent with a small child. You need to preempt. You know when your child's running yeah. around and you know yes. they're about to hit their head, yeah. so you jump in and save them. It's almost like you know if brands could only do that for us. You yeah. Know. What are those warning signals? Yeah. How do we identify them? When we're doing some work on that, especially with our broader operational metrics, trying to correlate when will we see a warning sign that we need to intervene. Probably not there yet, but we're thinking and heading in that direction. Yeah, yeah and that's really progressive because most people at this point are really reacting, just reacting to problems. So if you can start to think ahead, then you obviously start to solve some of those bigger issues mm -hmm. as well. Yeah. All right, last question. Uh, if you had a magic wand, um, what would you change about your customer experience today? You can ask for another button. Someone else asked for a fast forward button and someone said, well, I don't want a magic wand. I want to get into a time machine or something. So I might talk magic wand and I think Donna's thinking much more fast forward. <laughs> She's much more progressive than I am. But my magic wand would just be, as I'd said previously, for us to deliver on our promises consistently. Yeah. Um, I think we're getting there, but with the size of the organisation, we do find that there's inconsistent customer experience. And I think that's our um, the level we need, need to get to before I can hit the fast forward button that I would leave to much more progressive thinkers like Donna than myself. <laughs> I like the fast forward button because I talked about being predictive and, and getting ahead, but I still like the idea of being able to respond to customers' feedback in the moment. So I love the example of Tesla and the customer who posted a suggestion on social media page around um, sending a notification if someone's filling up and they, they need to go somewhere, how do they know then to go back and it's, it's ready for use. And then Tesla were able to get on board and fix that. I can't remember the exact time frame, but it was much faster than we know that, oh, yeah. that most organisations yeah, are able to. It was quick, mm. and that's where I'd love for us to be able to get um, not in not um, in a, in a short period of time. So. It's one thing to be intervening ahead of time, but it would be great to be able to act on customer feedback in the moment, real time, and then be able to then respond back and say, thanks so much for your feedback, great suggestion, we've acted on it, and guess what? We haven't just acted on it, we've done it today, mm -hmm. and it's now up and up and running. And we've got a few examples of where we've been able to do that in our, in our digital platform, mm -hmm. but not enough across the organisation to make it something that we do all the time. Yeah, mm -hmm. and I think that customer loop thing, Absolutely. we've talked yeah. about that with a couple of people, yeah. you know, not very few brands are able to crack that. Mm. You know, thank you for that feedback. We've, look what we've done. Look I mean, what we've done. That's the ultimate as well. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, in terms of building advocates, I mean, you know, how fabulous is it for them people to go out and talk about that as a great story? And in a sense, that really is the surprise and delight. Mm. Yeah. You don't really need to send someone a bunch of chocolates. Or no, no thanks. 
Exactly. Yeah. You listened to me, you acted on it, and you've you know, just helped me with my life a little bit. Yeah. yeah. And as part of a suggestion I've made, there's a number of other customers are now that are benefiting from that. Yeah. Which yeah. is a good feeling. Yeah. And they can <laughs> talk about that on their social media and look how fabulous and they that's are. That's advocating, isn't it? <laughs> that's what we want. Yeah. Um, well, thank you, ladies. That was fabulous. It's so good to hear that a big business like NAB is obviously kind of leading from the top, but also, you know, I love the huddles. I didn't know about that. So I think that's a really fabulous um, concept. Um, Donna, how are you going to cope without Sarah whilst she's on holiday? Uh, well, I think we cross over, so I will be um, looking after the place while Sarah's on leave, and then I go on leave, and Sarah will be coming back. So I Nab will fall to pieces. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, and, and Ace also make a lot of money. <laughs> We've yeah. got a great team. We've got a great team. Uh, all right, thank you, ladies. Thank you, everyone, for listening. We've got another great episode next week, so you can tune in. Ciao.